Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, NASA and the FAA have a couple of near misses. That's correct. Both NASA and the FAA had a couple of near misses this past week. Now, they're trying to downplay um, both events. Both agencies are. But we'll take a look at a couple articles that we found in some supporting material and then let you be the judge. Now, if you want to get links to the articles we're talking about, be sure to go to the Twitter account, UFO Warning. And there you can find links to all the articles that we talk about in the podcast. If you need to get there, uh, other than Twitter, you can go there by going to at warning sub UFO. And while you're there, do a follow. Now, the first article is from Fox News. And this just came out, I believe, today or yesterday by Chris Classia. And it says, oh, here we go, published August 18th. Pickup truck-sized asteroid flew within 25 miles of Earth on Sunday, and NASA didn't see it. NASA may have updated its plan to protect the planet from asteroid strikes, but a space rock the size of a pickup truck zipped past the planet at a distance of approximately 1,830 miles on Sunday, the closest ever recorded. Now, if you know anything about how high the the satellites orbit, I mean, how little time that would have taken for the Earth to be 1,800 miles further ahead in its trajectory, you know that was an extremely, extremely close call. Missed by seconds, no doubt. It says, And the space agency didn't see it until after it happened. The asteroid, known as 2020 QG, formerly known as ZTF0DXQ, flew past the Earth from the direction of the Sun, according to Business Insider, which first reported the news. The news outlet cited a tweet from an amateur astronomer, Tony Dunn. It goes on to say, Newly discovered asteroid ZTFODXQ passed less than one quarter Earth diameter yesterday, making it the closest known flyby that didn't hit our planet. Dunn, who is also the creator of the OrbitSimulator.com, wrote, and then it has a little uh, video here of the simulator. If you go to the uh, Twitter account, UFO Warning, you can definitely watch that. It says the object was detected approximately six hours after it flew past Earth's southern hemisphere at a speed of 27,600 miles per hour. I don't know. That sounds pretty fast. Paul Chodas, director of NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies, told the news outlet, we didn't see it coming. Well, what are they doing with all that equipment we pay for? Just sitting around having coffee and donuts? I mean, if they can't, if we pay these guys to at least spot the incoming objects, and they're not even aware that they're there, if they have to be picked up by a amateur astronomer, for crying out loud, then what on earth are we paying these guys for? It says 2020 QG is considered 
a near-Earth object, or NEO, given its close proximity to Earth. However, given its size between 6 and 18 feet wide, it is not considered a potentially hazardous NEO and likely would have broken up in the atmosphere. Let me interject. These guys couldn't even spot the thing. If they weren't competent enough, if they didn't care enough to even track an incoming object the size of a pickup truck, or maybe twice the size of a pickup truck, then why in the world should I believe these guys when they tell me that it wasn't dangerous? I'm sorry, they haven't demonstrated their competency to even track the thing. Why in the world would I believe a word they say? And here's another thought. They're, they're, compa- they're comparing this incoming small asteroid to a run-of-the-mill uh, object, say, that's mostly ice and with a few rocks thrown in. Well, what if this thing happened to be made of pure iron? They happen now and then. What if this thing would have happened to uh, land in the middle of New York City or Washington, D.C. or some other big metropolitan area? as opposed to in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. So for them just to get up there and act like this was nothing, to my mind, they're just trying to uh, distract from their own, uh, I don't know, terrible job. Their own lack of being able to do what they're paid for. It goes on and says, The object size was estimated by the Soromano Astronomical Observatory. Once again, if you couldn't see the thing on the way here, then I'm not even sure I should trust your estimation of its size, let alone what the thing was made of. It says potentially hazardous NEOs are defined as space objects that come within 0.05 astronomical units, what well, certainly did that, and measure more than 460 feet across, according to NASA. According to a 2018 report put together by Planetary.org, there are more than 18,000 NEOs. And we're worried about the COVID virus. Fox News has reached out to NASA with a request for comment. This is not the first time in recent memory that NASA has missed an NEO similar to 2020 QG. In February, researchers in the Netherlands discovered... 11 potentially hazardous objects that are not on NASA's list of potentially hazardous near-Earth objects using advanced artificial intelligence. So you're telling me that the biggest space agency on the planet just got beat out by the Netherlands? I mean, do we have to privatize asteroid hunting out to Musk while we're at it? A little concerning. Ancient asteroid strikes on Mars may have produced key ingredient for life, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then we go on down here. It says, NASA unveiled a 20-page plan in 2018 that details the steps the U.S. should take to better pre- to, to be better prepared for NEOs, such as asteroids and comets that come within 30 million miles of the planet. Well, 30 million miles, I'm thinking that 1,800 miles would fall in that category. A recent survey showed that Americans prefer a space program that focuses on potential asteroid impacts over sending humans back to the moon or to Mars. In April 2019, NASA awarded a $69 million contract to SpaceX, I believe that's Musk, the space exploration company led by Elon Musk, to help it with asteroid deflection via its DART 
mission. Well, it'd be, it would be nice to just know about them. Okay? Instead of uh, spending money on a deflection program that might happen 10 or 20 or 50 years from now, couldn't they just let us know when one was headed our way so we could, I don't know, keep an eye open? Because on it says, NASA Administrator Jim Brindenstein said in April 2019 that an asteroid strike is not something to be taken lightly and is perhaps Earth's biggest threat. Well, there you go. I found another article on this too, and I just thought this would be would be kind of interesting to look at because I felt like NASA really downplayed the risk there, and a little disappointed, you know. So oftentimes the agency does a great job on stuff. I mean, they've got lots of cool videos and pictures and all sorts of neat stuff like that. I hate to see them drop the ball on this stuff. Now this article here is from March 31st, 2014. It comes off the NASA.gov site. I have a link there at the Twitter account. It says, Asteroid Fast Facts. Then it has a picture of an asteroid there. It says, This image taken by NASA's near-Earth asteroid rendezvous mission in 2000 shows a close-up view of Eros, an, S- an asteroid with an orbit that takes it somewhere somewhat close to the Earth. And then it says, What are the differences between the asteroids and the meteorites? It says, Asteroid, a relatively small, inactive, rocky body orbiting the Sun. Then it has the definitions for comets, meteors, meteorites, meteorites, size, and emergency. And then it says, Every day Earth is bombarded with more than 100 tons of dust and sand-sized particles. About once a year, an automobile-sized asteroid hits Earth's atmosphere, creates an, impress- creates an impressive fireball, and burns up before reaching the surface. Every 2,000 years or so, a, meteor- a meteoroid the size of a football field hits Earth, and causes significant damage to the area. Only once every few million years, an object large enough to threaten Earth's civilization comes along. Impact craters on Earth, the Moon, and other planetary bodies are evidence of these occurrences. And then it says space rocks smaller than about 25 meters or 82 feet will most likely burn up as they enter the Earth's atmosphere and cause little or no damage. If a rocky meteorite larger than 25 meters, that's 82 feet, or smaller than one kilometer, that's about a half a mile, six-tenths of a mile, were to hit Earth, it would likely cause local damage to the impact area. We believe anything larger than one to two kilometers would have worldwide effects at 5.4 clicks. It's about three miles. The largest known potentially hazardous asteroid is Tutatus. By comparison, asteroids that populate the main asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter and pose no threat to Earth can be as big as... 583 miles. Okay, and then it goes on and has a few more fun facts. Honestly, it doesn't really address the fact that asteroids can be made up of lots of different types of material. And as I said, how do we know what this thing's made out of? Is it just a simple rock that's going to burn up on impact, or is this thing made out of some super heavy material? And then lastly, they haven't even considered the... the, the, the uh, possibility that this thing could be some sort of UFO or some sort of UFO probe headed into Earth. So to me it shows that we're not really getting a very clear, um, distinct picture of what's going on here. It seems like we're being left just a little bit in the dark. Now there's one other thing here I wanted to take a look at before I go on to the next, uh, the next thing, which 
involves FAA. Oops, that's the wrong one. And then um, this is from Wikipedia. This this talks about the um, just a, just a just a second here. But what one of these things can do is this is the Chicklebinks meteor was a super bolide that entered Earth's atmosphere over Russia on February 15, 2013. Now, a lot of you might remember that. It was caused by an approximately 66-foot asteroid with the speed of, let's see, 69,000 kilometers or 40,000 miles, 42,900 miles per hour. Now, okay, they're saying the one that just missed us was what? anywhere from 8 to 16, maybe 20 foot long. I know it's smaller, but this shows us that something that's not what some people would consider that big. It's a 66 foot round meteorite. But look what it did here. It says, it quickly became a brilliant super bullet meteor over the southern Ural region. The light from the meteor was brighter than the sun, visible up for up to 62 miles away. It was observed over a wide area of the region and in neighboring republics, some eyewitnesses also felt intense heat from the fireball. Now, if you, it says, due to its high velocity and shallow, anger of atmos shallow angle of atmospheric entry, the object exploded in an airburst over Chelyabinsk Oblast at a height of around 97,000 feet. The explosion generated a bright flash producing a hot cloud of dust and gas that penetrated to 16.3 miles, and many surviving small fragmentary meteorites as well as a large shock wave. The bulk of the object's energy was absorbed by the atmosphere with a total kinetic energy before atmospheric impact estimated from infrasound and more seismic measurements to be equivalent to the blast yield of 400 to 500 kilotons. 26 to 33 times as much energy as that released from the atomic bomb detonated at Hiroshima. It's not a small thing. 26 to 33 times the energy from the bomb detonated at Hiroshima. The object was undetonated before its atmospheric entry, part because its radiant source direction was close to the sun. Well, what happened with this last asteroid, the one that they missed, was coming in from the sun. Okay, same, same deal. Its explosion created panic among local residents, and about 1,500 people were injured seriously enough to seek medical treatment. Now, remember what happened? People saw the light flash. The light travels faster than sound, obviously. In the explosion, they rented the window to look outside, and by the time they got to the window, boom, that shockwave hit, blew the windows in toward the toward the residents of these buildings, and a lot of them ended up with glass shards in their face, I think even their eyes, whatever. So you had, had like 1,400 injuries from this thing just from the shockwave blasting all the glass. So when NASA tells me that this, this uh, 8, 16, maybe 20-foot wide asteroid that just zoomed by Earth at, at 2,000 miles away, barely missing us in the direction from the sun, that it's no big deal... Well, I have to wonder. It says here some 7,200 buildings in six cities across the region were damaged by the explosion shockwave, and authorities scrambled to help repair the structures in sub-freezing temperatures. 
7,200 buildings, with an estimated initial mass of about 13 to 14,000 short tons, heavier than the Eiffel Tower, and measuring at about 20 meters or 66 feet. Now think about this. It weighs more than the Eiffel Tower, but it's only 66 foot tall. So even, to, to my mind, even if we're dealing with, a, with an item a third of that size or a fourth of that size, you still could have a significant explosion if it enters the Earth's atmosphere at the right angle in the direction from the sun and doesn't explode until after it comes in contact with the atmosphere. It, said it's a large, it is the largest known natural object to have entered Earth's atmosphere since the 1908 Tunguska event, which destroyed a wide, remote, forested, and very sparsely populated area of Siberia. And it says the Chelyabinsk meteor is also the only meteor confirmed to have resulted in many injuries. No deaths were reported. Now, that's just to give you some insight into what one of these things can do. And sometimes, like I say, we hear from the people that are supposed to be our public servants, and maybe I'm not correct here, but it almost seems like they're downplaying some of this stuff. Their job is to let us know when these things are on their way to enter our atmosphere, whether they're harmless or not. And we should be given a heads up. That's what we pay them for. But then we find out that they had no idea it was coming, that it had to be discovered by an amateur astronomer. And after they're confronted with the facts, all we get is, well, no big deal. These things happen all the time. Now, another thing that happened this week, which was pretty weird, um... Was with was with uh, President Trump's uh, Air Force One. Let me see if we can get this real quick. Looks like we might have missed part of it. Um, before I get into the into the actual uh, near miss with with Trump's Air Force One, I want to look at um, just a couple things that the government has to say about. Drones, because what happened here was, and we'll read the article just in just a minute. But what happened was, uh, Air Force One's coming in for into the landing, at, I believe DC, and the uh, a drone is reported in close proximity to Air Force One. And you might be thinking, what in the world is going on here? And and here again, the FAA is just like, yeah, no big deal. But that's not really correct. If we go to FAA.gov. And you look at the article, and it's linked there at the Twitter account, UFO Warning. You look at the article, it says, Airspace Restrictions. There are many types of airspace restrictions in the United States. Below is a list of restrictions that commonly affect UAS flights, including stadiums and sporting events, near airports, security-sensitive airspace restrictions, and restricted or spatial use airspace and Washington DC. Wow. What part did I miss there that there was so little concern about a drone or whatever it was being in the flight path or near the flight path of Air Force One? Let's listen to this one last time. These are the places that you're not supposed to fly these things. Stadiums and sporting events near Airports, security-sensitive airspace restrictions, restricted or spatial-use airspace, Washington, D.C. So why is it that every time we hear about one of these drones being, or a fleet of drones, say, being in a place they shouldn't be, 
that it's always downplayed and we're told just to be quiet and nobody shoot the drone. Military, don't take the drone down. Law enforcement, don't take the drone down. That's against the law. We'll put you in jail for that. And it's just, they make ex- excuses for the drones being there. We saw that with the drones over Colorado and Nebraska and Missouri. And we saw it with the drones over uh, Palo Verde nuclear power plant, for crying out loud. Wouldn't Palo Verde nuclear power plant qualify as security-sensitive airspace restrictions? It's a nuclear power plant. It at least would qualify as private property. And why is it okay for this thing to be flying around Trump's airplane? It's in Washington, D.C. It's near an airport. I think it would hit all of these. Restricted or spatial use airspace. Fly a Cessna near that Air Force One and see what happens to you. Now, something's very strange is going on here. Now, I want to hold on for one second, and we're going to take a look at that article. Okay, now let's take a look at this here article about the drone with Air Force One. And this comes to us from DroneXL.com, I believe. It says, an article is by Hey Kesterloo. And this is also uh, at the Twitter account. You can, you can scroll down there. It's one of the first tweets I did today. It says, Air Force One with Trump on board had near miss with drone. Sunday evening, as President Trump was flying back to Washington, D.C. from Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey, the C-32A Air Force One had a near miss with a drone, witnesses say. Then it says, Air Force One with Trump on board had a near miss with a drone, witnesses say. As the Air Force One with President Trump on board was making its final approach into Andrews Air Force Base on Sunday evening, witnesses reported having seen a small drone. AFP reporter Sebastian Smith, who was on board the aircraft, as well reported having seen a small object that resembled a drone, while admitting at the same time that he was no expert. Now, just let me slip in here and say this. Once again, I have to wonder if we're not reporting UFOs as drones. This seems to be a real problem. Anytime somebody sees something that's unidentified, that's flying, and that's an object, or a phenomenon for that matter, it's reported as a drone. Even though they often say, well, I'm not sure, but I think it was a drone. The drone has become the biggest cop-out scapegoat for having to deal with uh, UFO sightings in this century. It says, AFP reporter Sebastian Smith, who was on board the aircraft, as well reported having seen a small object. Well, what is it? A small object that resembled a drone while admitting this, while admitting at the same time he is no expert. He tweeted the following, hashtag real Donald Trump, just landed at Andrews on AF1. Shortly before, while descending, we flew right over a small object, remarkably close to the president's plane. Resembled a drone, though I'm no expert. Then it goes on and down here as a picture of Air Force One. It says, yellow and black, shaped like a cross. Now, it doesn't say yellow and black, shaped like a quadcopter. Okay, it says shaped like a cross. 
The object has been described as being yellow and black and shaped like a cross and was seen off the right side of the airplane, Bloomberg reports, that the alleged drone was seen by several passengers shortly before touching down at 5.54 p.m. Well, if several people saw it, wouldn't you think that one of those people would have been able to identify the rotors that hold the propellers that allow that drone to stay airborne, number one. And number two, what in the world is our FAA doing if they can't keep the landing airspace safe for the President of the United States? At what point are these agencies going to be held accountable? But then why should we be surprised that FAA doesn't seem to give two hoots when we have drones and fleets flying over one of the nation's largest nuclear power plants, and nobody knows where they're from or what they are, or even if they're drones. It says the North American Aerospace Division Command that coordinates air security issues in North America and the Federal Aviation referred questions to the Secret Service, which did not immediately respond to requests to confirm the reports. Well, excuse me, is it the Secret Service's job to keep track of drones in Air Force One airspace, or would that fall under NORAD and the FAA? I don't know, but if I was Trump, some people would be fired right now. So they failed to recognize a UFO in the flight path of Air Force One, and when confronted about it, they directed questions toward the Secret Service. Can you see why Trump insists on having his own security? He needs it. He also needs his own version of the FAA and NORAD because it does not appear that they're really that concerned about his safety if they can't at least tell us whether or not there was a UFO in his flight path and whether or not it was a drone. And another thing, these drones are remote control. They're remote controlled. Why can't those radio signals be tracked backwards? We're told that everything's traced and tracked. How in the world is it possible? How is the security so lousy, so terrible, that some idiot is allowed to fly a drone into the flight path of the President of the United States of America's Air Force One? Does this seem like an okay thing to you? I think it's outrageous, but then I'm not surprised seeing how the same bureaucracy reacted when they were confronted about people being harassed and terrorized about UFO-slash-drones and about those same UFO-slash-drones just taking a big leak on a fire hydrant right there over the Palo Verde nuclear plant. Nobody seems to know. Nobody seems to care. Remember what happened? People reported it, and people were told to please don't bother us with phone calls. It's third shift. We're tired. Don't call us. Call someone tomorrow morning. That's the attitude you're getting. It says, even though the FAA receives thousands of reports about flying about drones flying too close to airplanes, there have only been very few drone incidents or accidents. Oftentimes, there is no evidence that the object that was seen was indeed a drone. Plastic bags, 
balloons, and birds have been mistaken for drones in the past. And as you can see in the images below, it's not hard to see how that could happen. Especially when you're looking out of a passenger window of an airplane doing at least 150 mile per hour. Well, isn't that nice? Lay your head on your pillow. Go back to sleep. And don't worry about the UFOs being drones. Because we know they're not drones. Because drones are so much fun to fly. And we don't want anybody to interfere with that. You know, it's a little concerning. But this is the kind of attitude that's demonstrated over and over and over again. First, we see things, we see unidentified flying objects in places like nuclear power plants over people's houses, and now directly under the aircraft, Air Force One, the big bird with President Trump in it, numero uno eagle, right below it, posing an extreme hazard. And what is the response that we get? Could have been a plastic bag. Yes, just suspended there in midair. A yellow and black cross. Could have been a plastic bag. You know, I really have serious doubts that it was a drone. But what really annoys me the most about this is that we do not have a government agency that's competent enough to come out and tell us, hey, we ran, we ran some electronic surveillance. We did a grid pattern. And, you know, within three or four miles, and there were no drones operating in that area. We can tell you that for a fact. So it must have been a UFO. If they could have the common decency to tell me that, I would say, well, at least they're trying. But when their only response is to tell a reporter to call the Secret Service, it caused me great worry for my country and for our president. That's the level of security they're being given. Just like NASA, you have an NEO headed this way. Don't worry about it. Go back to sleep. These things happen all the time. Well, they don't know that. There was one a little bit bigger than that that landed in Russia a few years ago. And it made a pretty good sized boom. About 20 times the size of Hiroshima. So you don't have to tell me how big it's going to be. Just let me know it's on the way and I'll decide for myself what I want to do. Just like with these drones or UFOs or whatever they are. Just tell us. You didn't see anything. And then I'll know. Well, I guess you're just not capable of picking up these things on radar. Which is hard to believe when we were told that back in 2004 that that Navy ship Princeton had radar on it that was capable of picking up a baseball-sized object at 80,000 feet. So 16 years ago, the military had radar equipment that was capable of picking up a baseball-sized object on radar at 80,000 feet. Okay? 15 miles away, up in the air, but you can't see a drone flying under Air Force One as it lands. Something, something ain't right here. And every time I see these stories and I just see the deceptions and the incompetency and the lies, it's either how can they be that incompetent or how can they be that wicked? You just don't know what is going on. Why are we being lied to or misinformed 
are just kept in the dark. And when you see this pattern over and over and over again, and then somebody puts up a post online or writes an article, does a video, counting on the new DOD task force to bring us disclosure on UFOs. I don't know if I want to laugh or I want to cry. Now, if you want to support the program, you can go to Anchor, and you can do that. Every little bit helps, and a thanks and a shout-out to the folks that already do that. It's awesome. Go to Twitter, do a follow, leave a positive review online somewhere. Engagement helps in a big way, believe me, because it helps get the program into the search engines, and that means more downloads, and that means the program does better. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.